Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Exodus 34. Amen. And this is not a repeat. This is not deja vu. But I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Someone's saying, yeah, it's the fourth. He's just trying to get out of working. No. Exodus 34, verses 1 through 5. Yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. I'll be 43 years old. Me stating that will make more people in the audience feel old. And uh, I felt it yesterday afternoon uh, for some time now. Uh, our, our garage door opener and stuff just kind of went to put. I fixed it four different times and it finally gave up the ghost. So for several months now, we've been without one. So we've been doing the raise it, pull it down thing. My wife's getting tired of that. And she said, uh, I don't know, it was one day this week. She says, you're going to order that thing and we're going to get that up. And so I ordered it. And Prime had it in two days. And so after I got in here at the church yesterday, I went home and started on that, taking the old one down, putting the new one up and uh, when my house was built, you didn't have to have those little tea safety things and all that. So I did that. It was quite a lengthy process. I was doing it by myself. And uh, I know after I got done last night, I couldn't go to sleep because my body was hurting all over. Feet, ladders are not as kind as you get older. You need the steps to be at least a foot in width. And... Uh, just to go how it all was going. It was getting late. I mean, I finished at 10 o'clock last night, so I was doing this late. And, uh, you know, had all those little episodes. of I was putting in some lag boats, and the, the size was a half an inch. And, you know, you're tired. I'm tired. I didn't realize I had a five-eighths inch on, my, on my, my drill, you know. So I'm, well, it wasn't even on drills. I was doing it by hand because I wanted to celebrate my birthday. But, uh, and so I, I'm pressing and I'm twisting that thing and it is not going in, I'm thinking, for crying out loud. I mean, these two by fours must be made out of, I don't know what. Come to find out all that effort was because it's bigger than what I was trying to put in and just sliding around there, you know. Did that two different times last night. So I said all that to say this, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I couldn't go sleep last night because my body was hurting. So I got up in the living room, read my Bible till two o'clock this morning. So I got some good Bible reading in, but I'd much, Lord, I really would have liked to have slept. I almost said I'd much rather slept, but I'd really would have liked to have slept. Exodus 34 verses one through five. You should be there by now. You may already know a few of these verses. And the Lord said unto Moses, you the two tables of stone, like unto the first. I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest and be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto the Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount and no man shall come up with thee 
Neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount. Neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he, speaking to Moses, you two tables of stone likened to the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto the Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Just two things very quickly as we get started today. I want to point out verse number four. That Moses went up unto Mount Sinai. Verse 5. The Lord descended. Moses went up. And the Lord descended. I want to talk today this subject. He came down. He came down. Amen. Let's talk to him right now. Father, I need you, Jesus, today. God, I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, for those that have gathered in on this Lord, a holiday Sunday morning to offer worship and praise and God offer themselves, Lord, more importantly, Lord, unto you in this setting of time. I pray, God, that you're able to help us today, God, as we look to your word. We know, Lord, in there are the words of life. God, eternal life, God, and I need that today. Lord, in my own personal soul, God, in salvation, I thank you and praise you, Jesus, for helping us this morning. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing for so long. He came down. He came down. 137 North Brown Street, Princeton, Indiana. I lived in the same house from birth to the time of my wedding day and a few months even beyond that. Just a real simple little home. Those of you who have ever been there, just a simple house shaped in reality like a square. However, on the back side of the house, there was an additional room added on the back side of the house. And outside that additional room connected to the roof line of that room was a CB antenna. Dad dabbled, still does, in CBs. I remember many nights him talking on the CB. His handle was transmission doctor. And although all these years went by and I've not heard him say this in years, I still remember KBTI 6405. That is the licensing of his. It's just something that's embedded in my mind. Will forever be, I guess, because I've heard him use it so many times in signing off. Amen. And so there's a CB antenna that is attached to the roof line uh, of that additional room. It was a single pole, if I remember correctly, uh, antenna. But there was a U-shaped bracket that dad had on the pole that attached to the house. I, I thought about uh, leading into this weekend about going over to that house and sneaking in their yard and seeing if it was still there and taking a picture of it. But in today's age, I didn't know if they had dogs or if I get shot or what. So I just kind of tabled that. But nonetheless, if you were going to get on the roof of our house, uh, this area or this additional room was the easiest spot to get on the roof. Every other spot around the edge of our little square home, uh, the roof was sloping, uh, you know, pretty drastically from its peak all the way to its eave. And so if you were going to get on the house, you're going to do it at this additional room. Uh, we had, and I believe dad still has, uh, the aluminum ladder that we leaned against the house in order to get up there. But the problem with our aluminum ladder is that it fell a little short. 
of hitting the roof line, of hitting the eave. And so whenever it leaned against the house, it leaned actually against the house up to right underneath the, the corner where the overhang comes out. And so you, you have this overhang, and here's, I, I wish I could have got a picture. I really do, but I wasn't going to chance my life. But the, here's the overhang, and so it leaned back in the corner against the house. And so it fell just a little short. And so, but if you could place that ladder next to that antenna, in that U-shaped bracket after you reach the last rung or almost the last rung of the ladder you could hold on to the pole all right and you could allow that little U-shaped bracket to become an extra rung so to speak for your ladder it was somewhat of a maneuver but you would get to the top and you would hold on to you'd hold on to the pole and you would just hike one and it was a bit of a hike you would hike one leg up to try to get a hold of that bracket with your foot and you would just pull with both leg and arm to get up on top of the roof now as a young boy I can tell you the times that I've seen this done by my father I could as a young boy climb virtually to the top of the ladder you know how when you're young heights to a certain degree for some I should say may be a little intimidating and so I might climb up a few steps go back down but there came the time I could climb up virtually to the top of the ladder but I could not accomplish that last finagling finesse whatever it took in order to come out from underneath that eve and live i just couldn't do it i couldn't do the last maneuver up the antenna i guess i didn't just have the skills that was needed but i remember as a young man when dad would roof when he would patch stuff whatever he did up there on the roof i remember i'd taken drinks up the ladder to dad uh, he'd holler down maybe for his particular tools, you know, uh, maybe ask for a half inch. And I gave him a five eighths. I don't know. But nonetheless, and I'd take tools up the ladder that he needed. And everything that I ever took up the ladder, dad got everything I ever brought him only because he met me at my limit. I'd go as far as I could go and he would meet me there. If I had to go all the way being a young boy, I don't know if it would have been even possible, but it may have even been somewhat disastrous. But nonetheless, dad always met me at the extent I could go. At the apex of my climb, dad would meet me there and he, I could hand over whatever needed to be handed, amen, to him. I said all that to say this this morning, and I'm just speaking in terms of my little ladder analogy here today. There may be some sitting here today that's a little bit intimidated by the height of the ladder that's before you. And you may have sought out maybe perhaps some other ways only to realize that this is really the only way and the best way. And you may even become frustrated sometimes because the ladder or that means of conveyance seems to fall a little short of the goal of where you really need to be and where you need to get to. And you may not even have the ability to go beyond the top of the ladder. But I assure you this today, if you'll go to your limit, our God will meet you there. If you will ascend, he will come down. Our text records the giving of the second tables, and this may found, sound somewhat familiar, but our text records the giving of the second tables of stone to Moses. Verse number two indicates that Moses had a personal invitation from the Lord to come up 
the Mount Sinai and present himself there unto the Lord. The location of Mount Sinai, still yet today, there's a lot of arguments and there's a lot of discussions. The location of Mount Sinai is still greatly unknown. However, they do uh, have a particular spot that they call the traditional site of Mount Sinai. And using the traditional site of Mount Sinai, it is at an elevation of 7,497 feet above sea level. They say it takes approximately four hours for someone to hike up Mount Sinai, the site from the, the base unto its peak. And so Moses climbed to the peak of Sinai because God had requested that he present himself there. We know according to scripture that in chapter 34, this wasn't the first time that he had met with God on this peak. In chapter 19 of Exodus alone, it seems Moses makes three trips up this mount Sinai. Even others argue, there's some mixed sources out there, even others argue that in the book of Exodus from about chapter 19 on, amen, only four times do we read that Moses comes down. But they say if you read through it that there's about seven times that he went up. Nonetheless, what we do know without any controversy, at, at least he went up two times. The first time for the commands and the second time for the commands. And so Sinai is the major focal point in chapter 19 and leading forward into the end of the book of Exodus all the way through chapter number 40. Two main events occurred at Sinai. The first being the giving of the law was one of the major events that took place at Sinai. But the other event that it's known for is the golden calf and the worship that took place and the subsequent crisis of the loss of lives. Some 3,000 men that was lost as a result of all the shenanigans at the base of Mount Sinai. In one year's time, in your Bibles, in one year's time, uh, and then we'll talk in means of chapters of your Bible, in one year's time, some 59 chapters of Scripture were given on Mount Sinai. Exodus 19 through 40, Leviticus 1 through 27, which is the whole book of Leviticus, and Numbers 1 through 10. In a year's time, some 59 chapters of Scripture are given on Mount Sinai. Most of this material that's given in your Bibles concerns the law or some aspect of the law. There was guidance in those chapters given about the design of the tabernacle, the establishment of the priesthood, how to approach God, how to live harmoniously with the common man and so it's not a surprise that Mount Sinai is associated with the law. Its top was the place where all things were conveyed and all things were revealed concerning these laws that were given in your Bibles. You might even say today that the height of Sinai parallels the completeness or the full compendium of the law. Because you got 59 books in your Bible concerning the law that came from the top of Sinai. Amen. And so the top is where the law was given. But the bottom is where the law was broken. The top is where Moses spoke with God face to face. But the bottom is where the journey to the top begins. God didn't tell Moses, I'll meet you at the base of the mount. He told him, I'll meet you at the top.
top of the mount. God could have come down to the base, but it was at the base that back in Exodus 32, amen, that Israel had already proven the base to be a place where it seemed like people second-guessed God, walked away from God. It's at its base that the Bible records they quickly turned aside from the way of the Lord and what he had commanded them. It's at the base where people began to reflect on their past and had a longing eye to go back to Egypt. That was at the base of the mount. You can today be delivered from Egypt and dwell at the base of the mount of the law of God. You can do that. Amen. You you can mess around at the base of the mount. You can dance at the base of the mount. You can eat and drink at the base of a mount. But if you're satisfied with just being at the base, you'll never mature in a relationship that you can lead you to the top of the mount where his law and his covenant will turn you not just into a people but into a holy nation. Someone say yes. When God first had Israel summoned to the mountain, I'm saying the first time, back in Exodus 19, when God first had summoned Israel to the mount, he displayed himself, the Bible says, upon that mount. He came down, he descended. There was smoke and there were thunderings and lightnings and quaking and there was the sounding of the trumpet that accompanied all of this. He even told Moses in Exodus 19, he says, sanctify the people today. I like this. You can read this in Exodus 19. He said, sanctify the people today and tomorrow and be ready the third day. Because on the third day, he says, your Lord is going to come down. Sanctify him today and tomorrow. And on the third day, your Lord is going to come down. Folks, at the base of the mountain, this is just very similar to our salvation birth experience because we go through two steps or two days, if you will, of consecration. He told Moses today and tomorrow, consecrate them, sanctify them. They were to wash their clothes. It was a time of purification. It was a time of cleansing. We go through two steps or two days of consecration in our life. We are sanctified and we are washed both by repentance and by baptism. Two days, if you will, or two steps. He says, but be ready on the third day. Because on the third day is when your Lord comes down. He said, if you'll sanctify on day one and day two, the Lord will come down on the third day. And if you repent or baptize in Jesus' name on the third step, you'll be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Your God will come down. But our journey doesn't just end with the three days. Our journey just begins with the three days. We stand at the base of the mount of the law of God. And God, as he did to Moses, he does to all of us. He is beckoning us up to the top of the mountain. Amen. There are two important things. Just stay here with me a little bit. There are two important things that God told Moses before he took his journey to the top. As he is preparing and God is asking him and imploring him to come to the top of the mountain. These are the things in our scripture setting that God told Moses. He says, here it's two things, Moses. Number one, he says, be ready in the morning. And number two, no man can come with you. The Bible says in verse four of Exodus 34, Moses rose up early in the morning and went unto the mount. Someone say amen. 
it's best to start the journey up the mount of the law of God early. Because there'll be spots along the way from the base to the top that you're going to slow down. There's going to be some obstacles from the base to the top that you will not think you'll be able to pass, but you can. So you must start early. Don't delay. Don't play around at the base. What are you saying? This is what I'm getting at this morning, folks. When we come into our relationship and our birth experience with God, it's good to start early to try to ascend the mount of his law because there's going to come some things that you're going to have to slow down for in order to process, in order to work through, in order to clean other things out of our lives, in order to get through. So it's always good to start early. It's, it, it, listen, it, it's not a good, any time's a good time to start, don't get me wrong, but don't, don't wait until you see all the signs of his coming being marked off the tick boxes and then say well I'm going to send them no 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 it's good to start early after you went through your two days of sanctification and he's come down on the mount start to make your process yes there will be some slow areas yes there will be some treacherous sections but God says come on up to the top I did not mean for you to stay at the bottom I've asked you to come to the top of the mount of the law of God many people are living their lives at the base of the mountain. They're staying at the base of the mountain. And with that, you know what they're doing? They're looking over their shoulder, considering Egypt all over again. We had homes there. We had food there. I, you know, maybe we should just go back there. That mentality will get in you if you just stay at the base of the mountain. But I'm asking someone today, start early and start cutting. Because if you can get halfway up the mountain, you're going to have to come halfway down before you ever go back to Egypt. Somebody. Sinai doesn't change per se. The mount where the law was given and the pattern to the tabernacle was given did not change per se. But it's difficult sections of climbing is based on the individual. For some, the difficulty may be loving their neighbor. For others, it may be sacrificing their own desires for the desires of God. It's per the individual. But if you ever reach the top, you'll have to start climbing. If you ever reach the top, you'll have to start climbing. And you might as well start early. Because there's going to be sections along the way. It's going to try your stamina. It's going to try your strength. So start early. Because you don't want to waste. Can I say it like this? You don't want to waste energy at the base of the mountain. You don't want to waste energy at the base of the mountain. Because you'll need it along the journey to the top. The second thing that God told Moses, he said, listen, he said, you, you cannot have another man traveling along with you. You got to start your journey early, Moses. You got to do it. And you also have to do this by yourself. In other words, Moses, every man must climb Sinai, the mount of the law of God, for himself. 
Someone say yes. For it doesn't matter if I'm fourth generation Pentecost or not. I can't ride in on my great great grandma's skirt. I can't go on my father's coattail. I gotta climb the mount of the law of God for myself. I can't get in just because you're a good church. I can't do it just because I'm a preacher. I gotta climb the mount of the law of God for myself. Growth in righteousness, growth in godliness isn't a group effort. It's an individual effort. Every man for Please don't misunderstand me. Yes, I need to encourage you. And yes, you need to encourage me. But what I'm saying is this. You can't climb my mountain. You can't go over the terrain that my feet have to go. I can't have a substitute doing it for me. I must do it for myself. Because when it's all said and done, God said every man's works will follow him. Amen. Moses, get started early. You got to do this for yourself. Amen. I can't even do it for my children. They got to do it for themselves. And I know as parents, we all carry the burden of the lives of our children, the paths that they lead and where they go upon our shoulder. And I understand that as a parent, as flesh and blood, the weightiness of all of that. But understand this, when the rubber meets the road, they have to do this for themselves. They have a they have a mount that they got to climb. They have a choice either to stay at the base or reach to the peak. They got to make that. And let me say this, don't you by no means, amen, allow that to be hindrance to your own climb just because they're choosing to stay at the base. I know it's hard, but you got to just keep your eyes on the top where the beckoning voice said, come up hither. Pastor McGee, in the beginning in Exodus 19, God had Moses set a bounds. It was interesting as I looked at this this week. Set a bounds into the people concerning the mount. Did God not want them to climb the mount? Let's look at it. Exodus 19 verses 12 through 13. And thou shalt set bounds into the people round about. Round about this mount of Sinai saying, take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount Sounds quite contradictory. Or touch the border of it. Whoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. Whenever God comes down, whether it be tabernacle, bush like Moses experienced in the wilderness whenever God comes down he at once makes the place and the location wherever he is holy by virtue of his own character that's the reason why he says to Moses take off your sandals from off your feet because the ground you're standing on Moses had walked that place many a times but the difference now is he had come down holy and so when God came down with the fire and the quaking and the smoke and the thundering and the lightning upon Mount Sinai the moment he did 
that mount became holy. Everybody doing all right? And here's the thing about God's holiness. We see this through the scripture. Anyone who touches the holiness of God, as far as God's holiness goes, you don't transfer your uncleanness to him. He transfers his cleanness unto you. All right? And so the, 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 the prescription for the children of Israel is this. If they were to touch it, they were to be made holy. Listen to me here for a moment. That means they would be fully devoted to God. And for any living creature through the Old Testament sacrificial system, any living creature that was considered holy, that meant sacrifice for that creature, which ultimately meant that creature dies. He says, don't touch the holy mount. Because if you do, you're going to have to die. Because the only way you can be fully devoted is if your flesh dies. In other words, don't touch it if you're not going to be committed to it. Oh, God. Because, yeah, yeah. because the day that you touch it is the day that holiness is transferred. And for living creatures, that means sacrifice, and that means their death. To touch the holy mount means that you're going to commit, amen, to the mount of the law of God. Amen. Going up the law, the mount of the law of God, means you're going to dedicate your life to the mount of the law of God. So no one touch it unless you're willing to give yourself for it. And therein lies while so many are at the base of the mount because there's not too many that's willing to give their life for it and give their life to it and be dedicated and consecrated to it. Honey, we have people that attend, and I'm not just saying here, but we have people that attend that's just playing around at the base of the mountain. They never have any intentions of going up because they know it'll require their life. They don't have no intentions of sending the holy hill because they know it's gonna dedicate, amen, and cause sacrifice on their part but God is saying come on up but it's going to require you losing your life Moses when you get to the top God's going to meet you there look Exodus 19, verse 21. This is the same flow and setting. And the Lord said unto Moses, go down, charge the people. One of the times that he went down. Look at this. This is so interesting. Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze. Showstopper right there. Lest they break through to the Lord, unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. The mount of the law wasn't about simply getting a glimpse of the Lord. It's not about staring or gazing upon the Lord. No, climbing the mount of the law is about you changing elevation. It's about you changing the level that you're on. It's about being dedicated enough that you understand you'll forsake yourself for the climb. 
He says, but I'm afraid. He said, there's some that's just wanting to break, break through and just see and search and observe. They're wanting just to spectate. He said, woe unto them if they just break through and gaze and perish. I've seen gazers in my time at the base of the mount. Look at the smoke. Look at the fire. Look at the quaking. Isn't that neat? They've repented. They've been baptized. Jesus name filled with the Holy Ghost. But they're content to be gazers. But the mount of the law is not just to be a spectacle. It's not just to be, if you will, some program. It's not to be some, if you will, entertaining pleasure, if you will, for everybody's observation. The mount is to be climbed. The mount is for the changing of our elevation. The mount is our means of conveyance to get to the top where God said he would meet us at. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. In Genesis 11, we read in there the story that mankind attempted to build a city and tower whose top may reach what? Heaven. May reach into heaven. The tower was likely a Mesopotamian ziggurat, which is a little bit different than a pyramid. Pyramids have slick sides, but ziggurats kind of go up like steps on all sides. The main architectural feature was the stairway or the ramp that led to the top of this particular tower. And they say there was found typically in these type of things a small room at the top with a bed and a table for the city deity to come down. At the top was the gate. They called it the gate of the gods. It was the entrance into their heavenly abode. The builder's intention, no doubt, around the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 was to erect a tower whose top will be in the heavens, thus among the gods. And I don't know how far along that they got in their journey of building the tower, but evidently it was far enough that it gained recognition. But no matter how tall they had gotten their tower constructed, the Bible still records in verse 5 of Genesis 11 that the Lord still had to come down to see both the city and the tower. In other words, it was still yet so far from being in the heavens that God still had to come down can someone say amen can I tell you this morning even whenever Moses made the effort to climb that traditional site 7,497 feet up the rock that craggy rock to God during what may have possibly been a four hour or more journey even when he reached the Bible says the very top of the mount the Bible declares that God still had to come down to meet him there he didn't remain at the base Moses started early nobody traveled with him he committed himself to his climb until he reached the top and when he could ascend no further God still had to come down 
God still had to come down to meet him. What are you saying? I'm saying this, and it, and we need to, and we ought to put in the diligence, if you will, of the climb. But it doesn't matter how much we ascend, God will always have to come down to meet us because we don't have the finesse, we don't have the ability to maneuver some of the last steps in order to reach him. It will always be a meeting because God chose to come down. Some would say amen. There's a glaring principle here in the story. You don't have to ascend into the heavens. You don't have to climb beyond the top. You simply got to climb to the top of what is provided. I say it again. You simply got to climb to the top of what is provided. And he'll meet you there. He'll come down some have shied away from the climb because they think God has expected the impossible of them but he's really just invited us to the top of what he's provided here's the provision of the mount of the law of God he's just asked us to go to the top of what's been provided Righteousness and godliness in talk, in speech, in action. It's okay. It's okay. He's just asked us to go to the top of what's been provided. And I'm certain, listen to me today. I'm certain God would not have told Moses to meet him at the top if he didn't think Moses couldn't make it to the top. So if he's telling you to stretch your limbs a little bit on a certain section of the mountain, he's doing that because he believes you can make it to the top of the mountain. So the excuses that says, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's just not in my personality to do that. It, it, uh, my gearing is not like that. Others hadn't had to do that. Then you're just boldfacedly telling God a liar because he believes you can make it to the top. Independence Day, fireworks, woo. So repent. Yes. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Absolutely. Be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. But you've not even started climbing the law of God yet. After you've done that, let me urge you, start early. And do not, this is important, do not hesitate. Do not hesitate. Someone say, do not hesitate. Do not hesitate to start shimmying over the terrain of righteousness and godliness. Wait, it's, almost, it's similar to this. It's like all those students that graduated in, in, in the spring uh, from high school, and there's those that are saying, you know, I'm going to take a year or two off. I'm not saying always, but I'm saying probably predominantly. Those that say I'm going to take a year or two off, it's never back on. Why? They paused. They hesitated. And if you don't start your climb after you got your birth certificate, 
you're going to stay a baby at the base of the mount. Amen. Don't, don't hesitate. Start the climb. If you can get a few feet one day, so be it. If you can get 40 yards the next day, well, glory be to God. If some days you can just hold your position on the slant of the mountain, at least you're higher than where you began. And you've not lost any ground. Someone say amen. The truth is, he said, I'll meet you there. He said he'd come down there. And the truth is, we would never be able to reach him. I'm going to go back and forth on something right here. The truth is, we would never be able to reach him. But, someone say but. That doesn't mean we stay at the base of the mountain. We could attempt to climb to the highest of heights and still never be any closer. Nonetheless, we engage in the climb to the top because he's invited us on the climb. He knows what he's doing. He wants us to climb what we can, the space that we can, and he has faith in us that we can, and he'll make up the difference for the gap that we can't by coming down. But we're trying to negotiate with God to come down part of the way we can go up. You hear what I'm saying? We're trying to negotiate with him. We're asking him to do something we can do. And that's nothing but pure laziness. Oh God. It shows up in your kids. You know whenever they want you, they ask you to do something they can do themselves. I hate it when my kid, you know, I'm like standing three feet away from the refrigerator and they're standing five and they're like, would you get this out of the refrigerator for me? I'm like, are you seriously kidding me? There's two feet difference between you and me. And your limbs are probably better than mine. Get yourself over there and get your own milk out of the refrigerator. They're not asking me that because they can't do it. They're asking me because they don't want to do it. He says, so you climb what's provided, and I'll make up for the gap of the maneuver. That's what dad did with me on the roof. I got to the top of the rung, and he, being a young boy, and my legs are stubby, he by no means was expecting me to do the last maneuver. He came down from the peak of the house to the edge to make up for the difference I couldn't make up. But I had to get to the top. For him to come down and make up. Someone say amen. Well, glory, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Galatians 2 and verse number 16. There's a phrase in that verse. There's a lot of good stuff, but there's a phrase there. It says, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be just. There you are, Brother McGee. We're going to spend time at the base. Because there is no flesh justified by the works of the We don't need to climb no mount of the law. Nobody's, no flesh is justified by the works of the law. I get it. I agree with you. Climbing the mount of the law will never justify you. 
But just as there is one day and the next day for sanctification, climbing the mount is a continual part of your sanctification. Of setting you apart. From those at the base and those at the top. From those at the top, from those that are in Egypt. It will not justify you, but it will help sanctify you. Climbing the mount will sanctify you. It's only him coming down that can justify you. Hallelujah. God came down, the scripture tells us, he came down in the New Testament in the form of a man called Christ Jesus. Because if we were to meet him, if we were to witness his glory, he would have to come down. The Bible says in the New Testament epistles, it says he who was rich became poor so that through his Poverty, poverty, we might be rich. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of the servant and in the likeness of a man, what happened? He came down. Now part of it, part of it may have been me getting older. I am the tallest in my family. Part of it may have been me getting older, Brother Fred, but the other part, was observing all the times that dad ascended and descended on that ladder. We re-roofed that thing a few times. We've done things. I've helped. But I finally climbed it. I finally made the last maneuver on that little U-bracket and pulled. It's like, yay! And I came down. And I can tell you it was more difficult to get off the roof than it was to get on the roof. Because your foot placement had to be on point. That bracket wasn't thick. It was very thin. It was thick this way, but it was thin that way. Your foot placement had to be on point. But you couldn't see it as you placed it. And watching dad come down so many times gave me the courage to go up my first time. Because I learned I just placed my foot in the same spot in either direction. And I got on the roof because dad showed me how to come down off the roof. Tell me right now. I know we're in a holding pattern right now at the top. But he's coming down. And he came down. And because God left his home in glory and came down, it's given me the courage, the knowledge, and the how-to of how to get up one of these days. Because if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, it will quicken my mortal body. And I'll go meet, I'll be able to do the final maneuver. Because he came down and showed me how I could go up. Someone say amen. The Bible says just a little longer. Ephesians 4 verses 9 and 10 parenthetically stated in that chapter. It says now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. This is speaking of Christ. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things. 
when you begin to look in the Old Testament and bring it to the New Testament, you will see this verbiage over and over again. And I've just selected a few. But the Bible says that the Lord came down to the Tower of Babel. He came down to the Mount Sinai, the law of Mount of God. He came down upon Moses. He came down and stood in the door of the tabernacle. He came down upon the mercy seat of God. He came down. But in speaking of Jesus Christ, the John in the Gospel of John, he says that he came down from heaven. He came down in Bethlehem's manger. He came down on Mount Calvary. He came down in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. But Brother McGee, did he ever ascend? Certainly. But before he ascended, he came down. Before he ascended, he came down. He ascended, yes, far above all the heavens. But first he came down to the lowest parts of the earth. And when he came down, he met humanity at their limit. He met humanity at the extent that they could go. He met humanity at the apex of their climb and enabled us by the same spirit to one day get from our grave, from this earth, and meet him in the air. If you'll stand with me this morning. He came down. Brother Trout, I'm going to make it one of these days because I prepared for the third day. And I started early. And I traveled the mount of the law of God for myself. Let me just side note there for a little bit. And what that means is this, that means doing it more because your preacher all the time talks about it. And it's good to be obedient and nice conscious of your man of God and all that. That's great. But you've got to climb the mount of the law for yourself. Because I've learned people that don't climb it for themselves, the motivation of whoever they were climbing it for will be lost somewhere along the way and they'll climb back down. There's been people that have started a lot of lifestyle things in their life that stopped and departed from it because they weren't doing it for themselves. They were doing it for pastor. They were doing it for such and such in the church. They were doing it to be used on the platform. God, good thing there's one service, hallelujah. I'm going to make it because I started early. Climbed it for myself. I committed my life to it because I know the moment I touched it, my flesh would die. But most importantly, I'm going to make it. Because when I've done all I could do, he came down. And met me there. I don't know what was going through Moses' mind whenever he first thought about, oh, God says come up to the top of the mountain. He's going to meet me there. He may have thought, he's already there. You know, he's already there. But he gets up there. And the Bible tells us that the Lord descended. That just blows my mind. I think no matter how high we climb, and we should endeavor to do so because he's asked us to. But no matter... How hard we try. 
There will only ever truly be a meeting because he has come down. Folks, whenever you can feel and experience the undeniable presence of the Lord in the service, and maybe people really clapped and worship, and that's great. You know why, though, that can really take place? Because he came down and inhabited what you prepared. He came down. He says, here's the rendezvous, rendezvous spot. You come up to it, and I'll come down to it. He inhabits the praise of, of his people, right? He said, that's the rendezvous spot. You climb up to it, and I'll come down to it. He came down. If we can close our eyes all across this place. If you've never repented of your sins or been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost, that is paramount today. That is paramount. That is the most important. That gets you at the base of the mountain. And so you need that first day and that second day. You need that consecration. You need that washing. Right? Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. You need that washing, that removal of sins. You need that sanctification. You need that third day experience or that third step of him coming upon you and in your life. But if you have done that and you're standing before a towering mount of the law, precepts and statutes and judgments and such, 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 I implore you today, if you've not started yet, start the climb. If you've backed down off the mount and you've just went to playing around at the base again, I implore you, start the climb. And climb it for yourself. Climb it for yourself. Climb it for that, that, that high mountain moment of reaching the top. You know, whenever Moses got to the top of the mount, because really... The Bible says that the day that they left Egypt, they entered the Sinai wilderness in the same day. Quite possibly Mount Sinai may be somewhere in that Sinai wilderness. Being so, if you were that many feet in elevation above sea level, from there you could see the Egypt that you used to be under from that mountain. Climb it for yourself so that you can get to a point you can look above and over everything that you used to be beneath. Whenever you reach there, you have the assurance that God said he would meet you there. He'll come down. We don't need gazers. We need participators. We don't need people to break through and just look. We need people to grab a hold of a rock and pull. And pull. We can get to the top as far as we can go right now in this human flesh. But there will come a day, as I did as a young man, we'll be able to make the last maneuver. But it'll only be because he showed us how to go up by him coming down. He came down. Hallelujah. These altars are open if someone would like to find a place to pray and say, Lord, I've stared at the mount of the law of God long enough. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Or maybe you're stuck on a certain section of the hill or a certain section of the mount. And it seems impossible to you. And you're saying, God, you've invited me. I'm asking, Lord, for you to enable me. Enable me to, to, to tread this section of the hill, this section of the mount, so I can continue in my upward climb. Help me, O oh Lord Jesus, to ascend the mount of the law of God. Come on, somebody. I'm going to start early, Brother McGee. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm not going to pause. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm not going to stay at the base and then come to a place. Well, I wonder where Moses is. He's been up there for a while. Whew. 
See, you can't understand why Moses was up there for so long if you've never climbed the mountain. At the base, you can guess all day long that that's just really too long. But if you were to ever climb it, you'll understand why he stayed so long. We will be misunderstood by people at the base. You hear me? You'll be misunderstood by people. Why in the world are they doing that? Why in the world are they climbing that? Why in the world are they exerting their effort and stamina and energy? Like, why, 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 why? Honey, you'll only ever truly understand if you experience the climb for yourself and the coming down of the Lord meeting you at the top. Climb what he has provided before you. He's given us the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. We have the very heart, purpose, and intent of God in this book of the Bible. This, this precious book. That is what he's provided for us. He's asking us to climb. He's asking us to climb. And he thinks that we can make it. He thinks that we can make it. Let's talk to the Lord all across this place. He came down. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.